Welcome, listener, to this week's episode of Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. I'm Robert Kerr with you to present as many perspectives of the world's game happening here in the Great Lake State. On the show today, we've got Michigan native and NWSL goal scorer extraordinaire Bethany Balser on the show. She's a great chat and she shares her path from Michigan to the pros and now to the U.S. women's national team. Very exciting, so stay locked in for that. Before that, I got to remind you guys, set a reminder to RSBP for the Boxing Day Watch Party Extravaganza on this City Clubhouse Facebook event. Just give them a heads up, let them know you'll be there. There's a full day of Boxing Day <laughs> Premier League action scheduled to be played the day after Christmas. Uh, there should be drinks, food, fun, and games all throughout the day. Mark it down, the Sunday after Christmas is coming right up. Next week's podcast may well be recorded at that party. So say, come say hi and we can have an EPL chat at the Detroit City Clubhouse on Sunday. Shout out and congratulations to the 2022 NWSL Draft Class. A few representatives from Michigan there. MSU Spartan and Battle Creek native Ava Cook was drafted 18th overall by the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, Wolverine uh, Rally Lohman was picked 46th overall to Gotham FC. Uh, she's from Indiana, but fellow Wolverine Aaliyah Martin was all undrafted but uh, signed with the Washington Spirit, as well as Canton native and Ohio State defender Izzy Rodriguez. She went to Kansas City's new team at pick number 43, so congrats to all them and best wishes. Hopefully you can get signed on. Also, the Midwest Pro Soccer Combine happened over the weekend, so uh, good luck to all the men there who are uh, got their fingers crossed to be picked in the MLS draft soon to come. But this week's great guest went undrafted in the 2019 NWSL draft, but has gone on to awesome professional success. Please sit back and enjoy my conversation with Seattle OL Rain forward and Michigan native Bethany Balser. Hello, listener. I'm now very excited to welcome one of Michigan soccer's finest. My next guest was the very first Division Three NAIA player to sign a professional player contract. She was the 2019 NWSL Rookie of the Year, came second in scoring in the league in 2021, and just recently made her U.S. Women's National Team debut. Bethany Balser, thank you so much for joining Michigan Soccer Central. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. <laughs> that, that's uh, incredible. Uh, you've uh, done so much um, in the last couple of years. And uh, I just want to ask you, I guess uh, we'll start at the most recent stuff. Uh, you were called up to the national team and you went to Australia and made an appearance. Uh, walk us through that whole experience, would you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely a dream come true. Obviously, I had a few call-ups just to camps earlier. Um, after my rookie season, um, 
and obviously wanted to get into a game, wanted to get invited to more camps. Um, so I knew I had a pretty good season in the NWSL, so knew there was a possibility and uh, wanted the opportunity to, to show myself. And so getting that call from head coach Flacco was just a dream come true and uh, very grateful for that experience, just incredible environment to be in. And yeah, getting my first cap was amazing, um, kind of just surreal and it goes by so quick and you're like, what just happened? But um, I just taking the steps uh, to where I want to be one day. So, What knocked you on the floor more, getting that initial call that uh, it was a real deal call up or th that first step onto the field? Probably the first step on the field. Um, I remember warming up on the sideline and the assistant coach Milan came over to me and said, it's about to be your moment. And that's kind of when, you know, the butterflies officially started <laughs> and you're just, you just get so excited and um, you like, it's kind of like you're, you're starting another chapter of your story. Uh, could you feel your feet on the ground? I know that when I'm, I'm hyper excited, and nervous, maybe the, the, the you kind of feel like you're floating a little bit. Oh yeah, d definitely floating. Um, you know, the coaches try to give you instruction, but it kind of goes in through one ear out the other because you're just on adrenaline, so excited, nervous, um, all the emotions. So uh, yeah, it definitely felt like I was floating. So are you back now stateside? I am, yes. And the, um, the, the NWSL draft just happened. Um, were you anywhere near that or watching from afar? Um. I, I was on a flight when it happened. So the second I landed, um, got on social media and saw everything that happened. And yeah, crazy off season again, so much movement and with the expansion draft and then the actual college draft. So uh, looking forward to next season already with uh, a new group of girls. You are a Michigander and went to Spring Arbor University. Um, and you went undrafted, but you went on to, to, to get a pro contract. So how was that process? Like that, that feels like, a uh, the, the joining from the, the, the collegiate ranks and then jumping to professional seems a bit murky or, or beyond my understanding at, at the moment. And then especially not getting like the official draft, like how did you, what was that step that, that got you, uh, in the door, so to speak? Yeah, I definitely knew that the draft was a long shot, so was kind of expecting not to get drafted, but um, found out through my college coach that a lot of girls get on teams through personal invites and, and just by being at the camp, almost basically a tryout. Um, and so but right after the draft, like a week or two after, um, we had gotten a call from, from Blacko, who was the coach of, of the Reign at the time. Um, just inviting me into camp and was like, we're going to invite in a couple other girls. There's not many spots available, um, but, but you'll be on trial with us. So um, that's kind of how that all unraveled. And obviously I jumped at the opportunity because I just wanted to get my foot in the door. And yeah, after a couple of weeks, eventually made the roster. So that was exciting. Oh, what was it uh, that, uh, grab them to like you know no doubt sign you know, that what 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 is in your game were you just banging in goals in those that first few weeks <laughs> um not initially uh I definitely had uh, had a rough go around the the first couple of days just because it is such a higher level um and it, it took me a little bit adjusting to that but but once you settle in once um you're kind of able to gauge where you're at and just be able to play on your strengths um I think that played in my favor. Um, and I was able to 
yeah, I think there was one practice. I had a couple good shots and I was like, okay, this was a good day. Hopefully the coaches notice. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of just a mental battle where you don't always know where you stand, but the longer you stay, the, the more confident you get. And I think that was uh, my case. So you kind of found the level there in the, the first couple of weeks, because like I said, you played uh, at Spring Armor University, scored a ton of goals in what, two seasons or two years in there? How I was there for play? four. For four years. My, forgive me. Um, so w w through that whole process, like it was that like a huge jump. And, and from what you're saying, you kind of found the level within two weeks. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, it, it was definitely a big jump. But when you get into an environment like that, um, it's either you you have to pick it up or you get left in the dust. And I had done a couple summer league uh, summer leagues that involved players who were in division one soccer. So at a little bit of a higher level. So I kind of knew what to expect um, a little bit in terms of that. So like I said, yeah, it did take like a couple weeks to, to really, I feel like get to the level of speed physicality that the pro level uh, required. Um, but once you, once you figure it out and get your bearings underneath you, um, I think that's kind of when you just start growing in, into playing at that level. So you, you played summer ball Grand Rapids FC, correct? Yes. So so that's interesting to say. So so playing those summers there uh, really gave you a, a, a kind of a head start. If you hadn't have done that, you, it, it was significant experience, you're saying? Yeah, I think the, I did, though, so that I could kind of gauge where I was at as a player because I, I didn't really know how I would stack up against players coming from Division One schools. And so, yeah, I played with GRFC one summer and then the following summer – Heading into my senior year, I actually played out in Seattle with uh, a similar type team, you know, just a summer league. Um, and so that was a lot of Pac-12 girls. But um, again, just like another step up trying to, to help me out and also just give me exposure uh, in some cases. And, and yeah, those those two summers, I think, really grew me as a player and kind of almost gave me confidence to want to go pro and, and showed that I was capable of doing so. So coming more uh, recently... Um... 2021 was quite a year for NWSL and you yourself, you were uh, right there in uh, the, the scoring leaderboard throughout the year. Um, tell us about uh, the rain itself as a club. Cause it's, it's pretty far uh, flung from here in Michigan. So tell us a little bit about the club and how the, how the season went. Yeah. Um, season was up and down like like it always is I mean there, there's so many things going on outside of soccer that affect our team um, especially just in terms of women's equality and, and stuff like that um, and just even getting rights as professional athletes uh, we're doing a lot of negotiations with that but on the field stuff um, definitely had a rough start we actually had a coaching change uh, just a little bit before midway through the season but once that coaching change happened um, it it kind of set us straight and we were able to have a really good second half of the season. We made playoffs, uh, unfortunately lost in the semis, but uh, we had a really great group of girls. I absolutely love rain as an organization. Um, we're, we're slowly taking steps to be the professional club that we want to be. Um, I absolutely love it out in Washington. It's so beautiful. Um, it's just a great team culture and um, yeah, just looking forward to creating a great, a great 2022. I saw uh, the video of your first goal as a pro as a rookie uh, in um, 2019. 
And it's wild. They, they said that was the first goal in that new stadium as well? Yes, it was. Um, so that was cool. But we actually are moving to Lumen Field, which is where the Seattle Sounders and Seattle Seahawks play for next year. So that's also very exciting that we will not be playing on a baseball field this coming year. Oh, I, I can't imagine <laughs> that we wouldn't upgrade. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the dimensions just like physically don't match. They, they sure don't. So it, we're very excited to, to be in such a professional atmosphere and a great stadium. So um, I guess what at what point when, when was it? I guess when did you start playing and at what point did you think that like, wow, um, I'm pretty good. Like this might take me places. Uh, yeah, started playing. Oh, my word. When I was three years old and uh, loved it, fell in love with it pretty early on. Um it, it honestly wasn't until freshman, sophomore year of college where I was kind of initially thinking about it, like, oh, wow, I could maybe go on and do this just because of the success I had. Because I, I was so naive, you know, I just didn't know, I guess, I guess the talent I had, and I didn't know what I was capable of. So uh, it wasn't until much later on where I actually saw it kind of manifesting itself and becoming this reality that I could make happen. And then, um, did you play, I guess when you were younger, did you, what was your introduction to it? Like, uh, what, how was it introduced to you? I mean, I have three older siblings and they all played soccer. We all started at three. So it was just, we were a soccer family, you know, every weekend was at some tournament and, um, every single one of us was playing. My parents had to keep a spreadsheet of when everybody's games were. So it was just something I was immersed in and, loved being a part of, um, you know, watching my brothers play in high school and then watching, you know, my sister go off to college and I actually played with my sister in college. So it was just something that was always a part of me and a part of the family. Um, and so I think that's kind of the love was just always there for it. And, um, the passion as well. That's, uh, so it it was just a a whole family event. Like soccer was just like omnipotent in, in the household. Yeah, I mean, and my little brother even plays out in Seattle too. So it's it's just honestly the heartbeat of our family. Uh, and I even have brothers that ref it now. Like it's still just a big part of of who we are. And we are obviously indebted to the sport and what it's done for us, and just have a great passion for it. Um, do you think that um, Mich- Michigan's a very uh, active uh, soccer state, and but it's constantly evolving and shifting? Was there? Would you say that? Uh, Michigan like uh is a especially um good at cultivating soccer or do you think that it was based on circumstances of how it was a family thing no I definitely think Michigan provides great opportunities for soccer players um both like like I'm from the west side but even the east side had I remember playing in state cup we'd always play a team from the east side and they were just such quality players and I know there's so many great clubs out there and I mean, there's a lot of girls in the NWSL that are from Michigan. So I definitely think that there uh, is just great opportunities. I mean, obviously, my whole family aspect played into it. But but I always thought that um, the culture of, of soccer in Michigan helped uh, carry that uh, throughout the years that I played. Yeah, and it's, each year it seems like there's more and more um, women's teams in the state as well. The, the, U, the UWS has... Uh, um, has like 
I think 15, 16 teams or so in 2021 playing across the state. And um, also now there's the USL uh, W League. Um, is there that many players in Michigan uh, that to populate all those teams? And I mean, what do you think that can do for uh, that many players being able to play at a, a high level throughout the summer? I think it's it's great and it's what people need. You know, people just need an opportunity. They need they want a team, you know, that's close to home. And so hopefully that that um, creates the opportunity for those girls. And I, I think it really helps me. And so I'm looking forward uh, to hopefully seeing more players in the league, especially from Michigan. And, and yeah, I think it's great that the UWS is growing and they're creating the second league. Um, hopefully it just provides that space that players need to, to get in more touches, to get more exposure, um, and just to begin to play at a higher level. Uh, with uh, Detroit City FC, there was murmurings that they want to make a, a push for an NWSL team. Uh, how how well um, would you try to make it back here if that comes to fruition? I mean, that would be pretty cool, you know, especially if my family is still around in Michigan. Uh, I think everybody kind of dreams of ending their career, <clears throat> excuse me, close to home. So uh, definitely something I would keep in the back of my mind. And yeah, I saw that Detroit City had great success this year. So that, that'd be pretty great. Like I said, the, the, the landscape each year is wildly different. You know, there's always uh, teams moving around. And it seems like uh, the, the, the collegiately, the uh, women's teams had uh, a good year for the most part across the board, too, with Grand Valley winning the Division Two and Michigan State having a big turnaround. So it does seem like um, the game is uh, picking up quite a bit. Um, do you think that um, what, what was the thing like, do you think we're talking about opportunities uh, for more girls with a uh, lots more uh, sides with UWS and all that? Now that there's more opportunities uh, for players to play and get a spotlight in the summer, do you think that there's more players likely to fall through the cracks? Like, do you, like you were invited after the draft for um, to come out and see? Do you think there's a lot of players of quality that that, that don't get that that uh, invite? Yeah, I definitely do, and that's why I think everybody just needs an opportunity. Um, like, I'm a player that could have easily fell through the cracks, but a coach took a chance on me, and it ended up working out. And so I think I think players just need the chance, and so hopefully these leagues um, will help people get the exposure they need just just to, if coaches just see a glimpse of what they're capable of um, because I'm so indebted to, to Vlaco, my first-year coach, just for giving me that that opportunity because I think that's all people need. And then once you actually get them in the environment, then you can uh, kind of gauge where they're at and if they're capable of thriving in the league. Yeah, and like you said, uh, you, you, you were invited to the camp and you said it was tough, but – you you grew and uh, showed yourself and over the course of a couple of weeks and, and 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 got that success. I mean, like you can't. There's so many people that uh, I guess may not get that call, so they never know if they are able to make that jump. That, that that's that's tough to think about. Yeah, it is, and so th that's why I'm I'm grateful for the story that I have, and hopefully it it sheds a light on the great soccer players that are out there that might not come from a Division One school. Um, and just, again, provide an opportunity for them to be invited in and at least have a shot and a chance in, uh, to play in the league. 
For uh, the listeners that may have not been able to catch too many of the games, how would you describe uh, your game? You're a forward. Uh, you're scoring lots of goals. Like, how how do you describe your play, and how do you how do you get into the positions to score? I would like to describe. I always describe myself as kind of unorthodox, um, just because you know I feel like I'm still learning my position. Honestly, I played midfield all through college and. Um, finally playing, playing forward at the, at this level. Um, but I definitely like to, uh, just find myself between the posts. I, I like to think of myself good in the air. And so always try to get in on the end of crosses, but, um, you know, the, the game is always evolving. And so I'm just trying to each game play, play to the strengths of the team, um, find ways to get in behind, um, and do my best to put the ball in the back of the net because that's my job as a center forward. So, so your runs have changed a lot. You so you scored all those goals in college from midfield position. Yeah, I played midfield for for most of college, so I had a lot more you know long range shots. Um, I still feel like I was a decent header in college, but um, yeah, it, it's looking a little different. Most of my goals are scored within the six yard box um, now. So so yeah, it's evolved a little bit. And do you, do you, how do you feel like that, uh, the runs are way different. Uh, do you feel like your skill set, like, would you have not thought of yourself as someone like breaking the back line? Uh, no, I've always been like a very offensive minded player. Um, even when I was playing midfield in college. So, um, I love being in front of the goal and, and getting any opportunity to hit a shot on goal. So I feel like that's kind of always been in my, my nature, my DNA. So, uh, it's just shifted a little bit in the sense of I'm more forward on the field, but um, I've always felt like I've had that. Have you scored uh, your dream goal yet? Uh, I've been close. I mean, I've had some goals that like I have been my favorite goals and that I'm proud of, but uh, and it'd be nice to, you know, just have like a world-class goal, um, which I don't think I've had yet. So uh, I guess that's to come. <laughs> So, uh, what would be the, the, the ultimate then? Um, I, I love, I don't know why, but I love the thrill of scoring some late game winner, um, or even just, yeah, outside of the box, upper 90 shot would be pretty cool. Again, I always don't find myself in this position because I'm usually pushing the back line always right in front of the goal, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll come soon enough. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, uh, you're very active on social media. Um, what, what's your, uh, energy or like you, uh, have a lot of, uh, compelling content more than lots of players. You don't do like, uh, too many, uh, like I would say standard comments when I've, I've read your posts. Um, what's the energy behind, uh, your social media? I think once I got to this league and found out the platform that I was going to have, I realized that it's much more powerful than I realized. And that being a professional athlete is not just what I do on the field, but what I do off the field. And so once I just kind of posted about, I feel like I've always just been an honest, vulnerable person. And once I saw the response to some of those things, I realized that they were things that needed to be highlighted more and talked about more. And so I think I've prided myself on just shedding a light on things that are almost taboo and just need to be talked about more. And um, the response has been great, and I think I've just realized the impact that my voice can have, and I want to use it uh, for good. That's awesome. And um, you want to tell the listeners where they might be able to find you? 
Um, my handle's Bethany Balser on pretty much everything. So oh, oh, just straight up. And then, um, so with, with, uh, you, you just came back from, um, friendlies with, uh, the national team. What's the st- next step with them? Like when would uh, the next camp be that, uh, you'd be in the running for? The, the next camp is the January camp, which is the big one. It's two weeks long at the end of January. So that's obviously what I'm hoping for and aiming for, but, uh, time will tell. And, whether or not I get invited to that uh, doesn't change my mindset heading into the NWSL season. And then it well, like you said, it's the, it's the NWSL off season. Um, what uh, can you do? I mean, is it based kind of just on the camp that was like, uh, what can you do to, to shine? Is there exhibitions or anything in the meantime? How can you show yourself for the January camp if it's the off season? Uh, you, you can't really, you know, so I think some of it's based off the last camp, but I think most of it is just um, getting the group that the coaches want together and to really solidify them for the upcoming year. Um, there's the Shoe Beliefs Cup in early February. So um, this last camp I went to was just heavily game focused. You know, I feel like they didn't uh, really necessarily look at individual players and how they fit in. It was more like we've got games to prepare for on very little time. So um, I'm hopeful uh, for, for the January camp that they're going to bring in lots of young players um, just to see how they mesh and how they fit. Um, but again, yeah, it's, there's nothing I can do right now to, uh, in a sense, show myself. Maybe send some friendly emails and, you know, <laughs> remind me you're hanging around. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> hey coach, you know, happy Friday, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Just a little reminder. Was the, was the call up when, uh, that, you just got, was it uh, a different, you said you'd get, gotten called up before and not made an appearance. Was the invitation a different like a uh, classification? Was it like a squad player before and it was different or uh, it was just some at, you know, or it was, was it the same sort of thing you just happened to, to get selected for the squad? Yeah. So this one, this past camp was different because there were games. The other two I had been to, um, one of them was almost an ID camp. So it was all new players. There were no current national team players. It was all fresh faces. Um, so that was the first one I had been invited to. And then I got invited last fall, which is, which is kind of similar to this upcoming camp. It was just 10 days of training. There were no games involved. It was just to kind of get the group together. Um, a couple new faces, a couple older ones. So, um, this was the first one where games were involved, which is what, uh, allowed me to get my first cap and made it special. Unreal. And then when would you hear uh, about the January one? Probably mid-January or so? Um, probably early January um, or even end of December. We'll see. I honestly do not know. So, Fingers crossed for you there. <laughs> um, regarding young players, I was curious, um, what could you tell a young player um, that, that likes soccer and might be wanting to take it seriously? Um, what's What's your best advice to them? Just to not put so much pressure on yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, you want soccer to be something that you enjoy doing. You don't want it to be a burden. And even at my level, I know it's my job, but I still enjoy doing it. And so um, I know lots of players that can just get burnt out so quick. Um, And I feel like one of the reasons why I haven't is because I, um, you know, did other things too. I mean, soccer was my life, but I made sure to, you know, take those mental breaks and get involved in other things. And I would hate to see a player with such talent get burned out at such a young age because they're trying so hard to get to the next level. You know, you got to still keep it fun. You got to still take care of yourself. And so 
I would encourage players, you know, you know, you can still be involved and be on teams, but um, just, just know yourself, know your limits. Um, and I think you can, you play the best when you, when you're fresh, when you have a passion for the game. And so that's, that would be my advice. Is that an endless pursuit, finding that balance of doing it enough to keep your sharp, skilled and develop yet not overdoing it? Absolutely. I mean, I'm still doing that to this day. Um, every off day we get is is a blessing in my book, you know, just to to mentally refocus and reset because at the end of the day, we are human beings and we're, we can't perform every single day. That's a lot of pressure to put on ourselves. And so um, even now, yeah, I'm still finding ways to, to, to keep the game fun, to, um, you know, just give my mind and my body the break it needs in order to, you know, maintain it for so long because I have been playing soccer for what, 21 years now. So, um, the fact that I'm, I'm not burnt out yet, uh, I think speaks to, to the rest that I've had. You, you found some balance and, um, there was a, um, good, obviously you, you seem very, very, uh, clearly focused on, uh, that balance I guess the, the, the elephant in the room, uh, I was going to ask a question about coaching. And then when I, the first thing about coaching comes to mind is, uh, the unpleasantness, uh, with, uh, the, the findings and the reports about the co the coaching situations in the NWSL. What is the, the, has, has did any of that scandal, uh, cross paths with you and where does it go from here? Um, some of the big scandals, no, they did not. Um, there was a little issue with our coach at the beginning of the year, but um, it wasn't necessarily with me. It was amongst other players. Um, and so it's it's still like heavy, though, because you see those coaches and, you know, friends on the other teams. And so um, I, I think obviously it's sad the circumstance it's under, but um, it's I feel like we're just weeding out all the the coaches that, that shouldn't be in this league and we're like people, the, the hiring people are finally taking it seriously and understanding, um, to believe the players, to listen to players. Um, and so, you know, hopefully next year, I mean, there were, I think seven coaches that, that left this year out of the nine teams or something, something crazy like that. And so, um, I I'm hopeful for, for change. Obviously it was so drastic this year, but, um, I think I think it's what needed to happen, and it's sad the circumstances it happened under. But hopefully, we can move forward from it. Was it something that was just like widely known, and it just like because it, it, there was you know r thorough reporting and all that, it came to light, or was this like a surprise? Um, so some were a surprise to me just because I haven't been in the league long, but I think lots of players knew what was going on. Um. And, but there's the fear that all of us players have of speaking up because um, we could be dropped at any moment. You know, there's no real job security in this league. And so I think the big fear was if players spoke up, you know, they wouldn't have a, a roster spot anymore. And that's what silenced a lot of players. And I think a lot of um, the coaches uh, that, that got fired um, had that authoritative pull over players um, and would use that to their advantage. Um and so I think I think there was just a lot of fear amongst players of what speaking up could do, um, but I'm very glad that people overcame that, and now we're we're seeing the change. And I guess it it's hard to base opinion on um, Twitter or whatever, but it seemed like uh, people were thinking that it's uh, 
maybe saying the right things, but maybe not changing at its heart? Yeah. I th- or is that yeah, just I, internet negativity? I, I think, yeah, initially that's what it was. You know, people were speaking up, but people weren't taking it seriously. And so I think finally, because of how many coaches we've seen get let go, now voices are finally starting to be heard and it's finally being taken seriously. But yeah, I think towards the beginning, it was kind of just like not people didn't understand the gravity of the situations. And what is the, that, that balance of uh, like motivation without uh, authoritarian, I guess. I mean, I guess what's pressure, what's a, what's abuse, I guess. Yeah, thankfully, I have not ever had an abusive coach um, or have felt that pressure. But, um, yeah, I can only imagine how hard being coaches because each player is so different. Um, And obviously, girls are are just wired differently than men, so you have to approach it in a different way. Um, But I do think there is a healthy coaching style of, of being able to push your players, um, while still, and like still have this, you know, you are in authority as a coach, but, but by still making it almost the player's game and still allowing the players to have a voice. Um, and and I think it's, sometimes it's just common sense of, of creating a safe space for players. Um, that's what I love about my current coach. Um, she does a great job of, of when these issues all came to light, you know, just being, very honest and open um, and creating a safe space for players, not only to talk about the things they need to talk about, but just to, it's just an environment that people, people thrive in when there's honesty at the center of it. And um, yeah. You said earlier when we were talking about the coaching change um, and you said uh, you were like set right. What was uh, the biggest change that uh, turned it around for you guys? I think, with with the former former coach there was just a lack of vision and so once once we had our interim coach and our new coach come in um there was just a very clear vision of of what we wanted to accomplish and i think everybody was finally able to able to get behind it um we had questions that we continually asked all year finally get answered in terms of you know what our team identity is and how we wanted to play and so i just feel like you know there was just that that goal and that purpose that we were finally all working towards because we knew what the game plan was and we knew what we wanted to do. Earlier, you said it was a, uh, a dream to make the national team debut. That was that like when you were a little girl and you were, you were playing was, was that, what was, was that the actual visualized dream? So it's funny because I was just talking with my sister about this the other day of it. It sounds weird to say, but I didn't, Oh wait! Like I remember, I remember my, my first memory of watching the women's national team was when I was like in in middle school and high school. You know, I I didn't necessarily grow up with like, oh, I want to be on the national team one day. It was just kind of like, I love playing soccer and I'm gonna play as long as I can. Um, I never in a million years thought that I would be on the national team. It wasn't that that just almost seemed too far fetched. And then just as the years went by and it saw, I saw it as more of a reality. Um, I think that's when it started to become a dream, but, um, 
yeah, I feel like I, I was almost just like late to the game. I mean, the first national team game I ever been to was the one I got my cap in. So it's just like, it, that's almost like funny to me, but, and obviously there were girls I looked up to, um, and admired, but I, for some reason it wasn't like, oh, it's my dream to be on the national team. Obviously it, it has been the last five or so years of my life, but, um, growing up, it was just like, Soccer was super fun to play, and and that was that almost. What uh, would you have done if uh, you weren't a soccer player? <laughs> um, I would be in grad school probably. Um, I majored in biology, so if, if soccer didn't work out, I probably would have uh, gone to grad school to become a physician's assistant. That was kind of that route. Um, looking ahead to 2022, um, obviously we already talked about the camps, but as far as league play, um, what's the goal for next year? Obviously to bring home the championship. I mean, with besides 2020, which was a weird year, my, my two years in the league, we, uh, we made it to the semis, but couldn't get to the finals. So I'd love to make the, the championship game and, Obviously, I have individual goals of just, you know, getting better as a player. But um, our team looks a lot different this year than it did last year with all the movement. So hopefully we can uh, just get a cohesive group together and uh, perform at the top level and be the best team in the league. Well, um, fingers crossed for you. And uh, um, thank you so much for joining the show. Um, Bethany Balser uh, leading the charge being uh from Michigan and totally awesome. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your time here on the show. Thanks for having me. does it for this week's episode of Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. My name is Robert Kurt, and it's been a pleasure to present as many conversations and perspectives in Michigan soccer this year. Uh, be sure to go to the City Clubhouse Facebook page and uh, give us an RSVP for the Boxing Day Watch Party Extravaganza. There are uh, games scheduled from 7.30 in the morning all to 5.30 in the afternoon, and we are going to have fun, food, drinks, and games throughout the day, so it should be great. So head over to the Facebook and give them our 3P to let them know at the Fieldhouse Clubhouse how many people are going to be coming to hang out. Thank you to Bethany Balser for joining the show, and thank you to all the guests we've had on the show in 2021. Next week's episode should be some conversation from the uh, watch party extravaganza. So please come say hi. It should be a great day. So again, thanks all for listening. Thank you to Jenny for editing the program. And thank you to all the Michigan Soccer Central folks for helping me put the show together. So until next time, enjoy your soccer. (laughs) 